Good morning, Mosaic, and to all those who are joining us, and especially if you're a first time, we want to give a special welcome to you all. Uh, I really hope that all of you had a very Merry Christmas and that you will have a very wonderful and safe New Year's. For those who don't know who I am, hello, my name is Yosop. I am one of the pastors on staff here at our church. And uh, yeah, I saw the liturgy as we were putting together this service. Uh, some people are going to say something about me because this is my last week on staff. Um, so I'm really excited to hear that uh, with all of you as you listen to this. Uh, but um, yeah, you know, uh, it kind of hit me. I was like, man, this is my last sermon as a Mosaic pastor. But I did ask P. Dave if I can preach in future times, and he said yes, so hopefully you will see me back. But um, yeah, it's, it's been really incredible. Um, and as I was thinking about uh, you know, all of this this past month, uh, I think what really kind of stirred up in my heart was that I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful to God for all that He's done. I've been a part of Chole for four and a half, five years. And I've been part of Mosaic for five and a half or five years or so. So it's been a total of exactly about 10 years at the end of December. It will mark my 10 years of being here. And uh, a lot has happened during those 10 years. Uh, you know, Janie and I got married in those 10 years. I finished a very long seminary degree in that time. I got ordained as a pastor in those years. Um, I got to serve together with my family, and uh, I, I've had so many failures and really weird retreat games in those 10 years, but all of it, uh, we were always surrounded by amazing uh, leaders, friends, uh, all of you, uh, who met us when we came across hardships and failures, and you guys met us with so much grace and love, and we want to say thank you. It really, really meant a lot, and it helped us carry us to get here. And as our family is getting ready to move to Argentina for missions, uh, we're both very sad, but also excited at the same time, because we know that it's God who brought us here, but it is also God who is sending us. Uh, and I'll mention that uh, at the end, but yeah, you know, uh, really glad to be here with all of you. And I'm really excited to share uh, today's sermon. Uh, I don't know if I try to bite off too much, but I'm going to try. But we're going to hear the word today coming from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So um, let's uh, read that together. Hear now the word of God. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers... You have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day uh, to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, 
having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Uh, Church, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much. Lord, I thank you so much. There's been so much that has happened and so much has happened because you have given me also your word to study it, to preach it, to be under it. And uh, as I preach maybe the last sermon as staff, Lord, I know that you will continue to preach through me because, Lord, you've called me to it. But Lord, thank you for the honor of being able to preach and Pastor uh, Mosaic. Uh, But Lord, right now, as we go into the first Thessalonians chapter 5, Lord, will you be with me? Help me to be faithful and true in the preaching of your word. And we pray that it would land on good soil, that it would encourage your church, that we may bring you glory. So Father, we thank you so much for this time, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I think that uh, there were several thoughts that came through my mind as I was thinking about kind of this being the last few days uh, as a Mosaic staff member. And I feel like whenever you kind of, you know, uh, come to something that is about to end, I think we think about times and seasons, right? When something's about to end, you think about, man, how much time has gone by, and what did I do, or what didn't I do? And I think those are often things that uh, we think about when we come to something coming to an end. But I was also thinking this, and oh man, this, this, this was just a really heavy question. But I was thinking this, I was like, God, you know, you are a timeless being. You know, but you created time for us for some reason. And we measure time by seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, seasons, years. But for you, God, you have no beginning and you have no end. But because you created time for us, we have a beginning. We're conceived, we're born, and we grow stronger and hopefully more mature. And then we grow old, and then when a time comes, 
we die. And in that timeline, however long our life may be, there's time for eating and sleeping, celebrating, working, learning, socializing, having fun and resting. And unfortunately, that time is also spent where you know, we get sick and we get hurt. And when the time runs out, we will all die. And we don't know exactly how long we'll live, right? I think generally, I always thought I'll live till like 80, right? That's like a, like a guess that I have always assumed, but I don't know. Maybe I live a lot less than 80 years, or maybe I live a lot longer. I, I don't know, but uh, we don't know how long we'll live. But I think what we have in common is no matter how long or short our lives may be, we want to love, we want to be loved, uh, we, we want to achieve things, we want to succeed, you know, we want to eat delicious food with people we care about, we want to go on vacations, and we want to laugh. And those are a lot of the good things that we hope to experience often uh, in our lifetime um, but man, when I was thinking about time and just how many people have lived, the, the lives look so different, doesn't it? Uh, think about just how many people have existed before you and me. I mean, just that alone is hundreds of billions, maybe even trillions. I don't know. It's a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of people living right now, but everyone's life, as I just kind of get glimpses of them, it looks so different. And it looks different depending on what, you know, uh, what family they were born into and, and, and what they were able to accomplish and, 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 and their character. And I think looks matter too. Like, depending on what you look like, uh, your life can look very different. I try to imagine if I looked a lot better, I think, I don't know, I don't know what my life would be like. Or maybe if I looked a lot worse, uh, I, I wonder if my wife would have married me, but, you know, it would have looked different. Uh, but uh, regardless of that, um, kind of what I, what I was able to come to a conclusion is we, we can do a lot and we have a lot of options to try to make something of our life with however much time that we are given. And the question that I kind of arrived was, and this was a big one, is, why did God create time? And just letting you guys know, I don't know if I can answer this question well, but it was really put on my heart. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to answer at least a part of why I think God created time. And as I was thinking about this, I think this is why he did it. I think number one, uh, I think God created time to help us, to help us in our relationship to help us with our structure, rhythms, and lifestyle, and to help us with grace and hope that comes from Him. Um, let's talk about the relationship aspect. I think God created time because He wants us to have a relationship with Him. And you might be thinking, why does God have to create time for us to have a relationship with Him? Well, let's go to Genesis. Let's go back to the history book. Let's go back to what happened. As soon as sin took place, and it didn't take place long after Adam and Eve, right? It probably happened pretty soon after. But as soon as sin 
took ground and it, 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 it took place, uh, we're going to fall away from God. As Adam and Eve was kicked out, of, kicked out of Eden and they fell away from God, uh, so did mankind. And once sin took hold, what happened? I mean, immediately there was murder, you know, Cain and Abel, right? What man can only build with their hands is, I think, corruption, bloodshed, uh, you know, uh, sexual immorality, greed, brokenness. And there's nothing really great there that is formed from the works of man. Basically, what was happening because of sin, and, and mind you, back then, people were living like 800, 900, even 1,000 years old. They were living a longer life. What happened during the lifetime of Noah? The world was disgusting. Disgusting, filled with sin and murder and corruption. And God chose to save one family and destroy the world with a flood. I think that is the fruit of man, and that's all we're able to build up because of sin. And if you think about it, if God didn't create time, and we were created, so I guess there's a beginning to that time, right? So we were created, and we start living a very long life, Man, just think about how broken our spirits would be because the fruit of man is all this corruption and brokenness and, and bloodshed. And because we're all living long, just think about how crowded, how crowded our world would be. And the only way out would be someone would either have to kill you or it gets so bad that I don't want to live anymore and I take my own life, but... Either way, it's just tragic, it's dark, it's awful. And I was thinking about this. The only place that time doesn't necessarily operate the way that it does here, while, you know, uh, there is sin, is hell. <laughs> and I think if God didn't create time, and we just existed for a really long time here, I think... Uh, earth would become hell pretty quick. I really believe that. But it's funny because I believe that, but the world thinks that the more time that we would have would actually be a great solution. And, you know, there's this always like, is there a fountain of youth out there? Or is there a magic pill that slows down aging and it'll kind of, you know, make my wrinkling slow down and I can be healthier and younger for a longer time? And people are now even saying that it may be possible that we can take the human mind and take a computer, AI, and put it together and we are like symbiotic with machine and we can live a lot longer as machines. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that doesn't sound good to me at all. Without time or an end, there would be no urgency. We would just create chaos. And it would not, and, and earth is a, we're, we're in tough shape right now, but man, I really believe it would be a lot worse. I don't think God created time 
for us to try to live as long as possible. Um, but I think it's about, because it's not about living a long life, I, I, I think it's about the limitations and the shortness of our life that brings beauty to the eternity, that brings a, a urgency. You know, Pastor Dave had that example with the long rope with the blue tape at the end. Man, our lives are really short compared to an eternity. But I think in our short time, and because we know our time is limited, I think we're supposed to try to recognize and find out that we have a problem. That, that, that we're supposed to recognize that there's sin and death and it's a real problem in my life because it's going gonna, it's gonna to get a hold of me and it's going to kill me. And in my short lifetime, I think I'm supposed to try to look for someone who can help me with this problem and help others. I think that's what we're supposed to do with our life. But rather, the world's stance on this is, nah, let's accept the sin, or we can even celebrate it, and we live our lives lying to ourselves that we can't get fulfilled by what we produce and what we can make with our hands and in our lives, and that we're going to be okay, and that all I need is anything else but God, anything else but God. And this will be the stance of the world until the moment that we are about to die. And a lot of people will, will start with their mind and their heart, they start that desperate search for, oh, there's got to be something else. I think that God created time to save us so that we can have a relationship with Him for all eternity. Uh, secondly, I think God also created time so that we can analyze, so that we can see the fruits of how we lived. Uh, and I think having time helps us with routines because having a daytime and nighttime, and uh, there's a consistency there, right? Day and night. Um, there's consistency there to fill our days now with, you know, you know we work during the daytime, uh, you know, we play, we eat meals, we sleep, you know, uh, how we manage our relationships. There's a consistency there to help us kind of regulate and we have like a rhythm. And through how we spend our time in our routines and rhythms, it kind of shows us what is really Lord in your life. What do you spend a lot of time and money and and, you know, daydreaming what you wish you had and what you could be. And it kind of reveals what you live for in our consistencies and in our routines. But I think that God created time and allowed us to have these routines because once our heart loves God, our routines and our, our, our rhythms, it completely changes. Now, the way that we live and our routines and our rhythms, uh, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a newness. It's, it's just radically different. How I spent my time before I loved God was very different than how I spend it now. And I hope several years down the line, as I keep growing and I keep falling deeper and more in love with God, I hope that it will continue to change and reflect my love for Him and your love for Him. But it becomes 
uh, a testimony. And, you know, it's interesting because you get to see that active change between a heart of stone that becomes a heart of flesh. You know, if you watch a lot of uh, sports kind of shows and like, they do a lot of like docus about, you know, oh, this, you know, young athlete came from nothing and was poor and worked really hard and then became the superstar and then became rich and look what this person has now. And, you know, that's, it's a pretty good story. I like it. And, you know, movies like Pursuit of Happiness and you see the struggle and, and the way that Will Smith portrays this and it's really incredible and, and you want to cheer for the underdog. But if you like that kind of story, I don't understand why the world doesn't want to hear what the gospel proclaims. The gospel says, though we are just ashes and dust compared to our almighty God, he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us, that our faith will be made perfect, that sinners will become glorified because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Now, that, that is a story from dust and ashes to glory. Because whether you're Michael Jordan or the, the man from Pursuit of Happiness, you know, they were poor and they became rich, but it was for a short time. Maybe 40, 50 years, maybe 80 years even. But that's a very short time. Whereas what the gospel promises is for all eternity. It's not a taste of, sh of a piece of a glory, but he gives it to us through Christ. I believe God created time for us to have a relationship with Him and to see how that relationship completely changes us and changes how we live. And lastly, I believe God created time to give us grace and hope. It's amazing that we can know God and, and we can know what He has done for us in our lifetime. And, you know, but even though we know this great truth, we're going to have to endure a lot of hardships. You know, we're going to have to work out still. There's brokenness. Though I have Christ, He's still working through and in my brokenness uh, from, you know, the sins of my past and the sins that I still uh, struggle with today. And I have to also learn to bear with one another's sins and brokenness. But, you know... I think God created time because even from the beginning of creation, He separates each day with there was night and then there was day. And that was day one, day two, day three. And He completed it in seven days. And He gives us a week, you know, uh, to show completion. And then months to represent the different seasons and the year to capture that whole cycle to start again. I believe that God created time to give us grace and that whenever we see the sun rise again, God is saying, here's a new day. Come and find me. Come get to know me deeper. Come see how much I love you and how good I am. God says, you're in a difficult season filled with burdens. Give them to me. You've seen the fruits of your labor this past year? Well, here's my promises. 
and see my good plans for you. Isn't God so patient? Isn't his grace so amazing? Isn't he so good? But as God gives us grace, I believe that he's also showing us hope through the new day itself. You know, there's a cold winter and a season of drought, and then there's life. You know, embedded in creation and in time, I believe God is revealing that, you know, darkness and difficult times and seasons, but there is a light coming. And when that light comes back, all things will be restored. So even though it's difficult, even though you may think that a new day brings on new troubles, remember that he says, I am with you and I will return and there will be no more troubles. There will be no more tears. There will be no more suffering. God's grace allows us to persevere and we can persevere with the hope knowing that one day he will return. God created time so that after what needed to be done was done through Jesus Christ, we can now enjoy God fully and for all eternity when he comes back on that day that we don't know, but he will come back. And this is why Paul writes to the church. He's saying, remember church. Remember church of Thessalonica that Jesus is coming back. And I love how he describes it. In the way that he comes back is going to be like a thief in the night or like a labor pain to a pregnant woman. Meaning that if you're pregnant and you're going to have a baby, you are, and we just had one recently, there is certainty that there will be pain. But you don't know when it's going to kick in. You know, it's like, oh, it's like, the, it's like the ninth month. It's like the 41st, 42nd week. But you don't know when it's going to start kicking in. And for us, you know, it was, you know, November 15th, 3.05 a.m. I wouldn't have guessed that. But we knew that it was coming. So the question is, how do we prepare well for something that would be a surprise? Let's read from verses 5 to 8. It says this, For you are all children of light, children of day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. We should prepare as children of light should prepare. And what Paul says is what the children of light do is that they are watchful, they are alert, and they are sober. And Paul writes that we should not sleep. Now, he's not saying physically don't sleep. If you're a Christian, you're not allowed to sleep. I love sleep. I need sleep. You need sleep. That's not what he's saying. He's saying spiritually, don't go into slumber. Don't get sluggish. Don't push that off to the side. He's talking about our spiritual trait and uh, state. There's too much going on, and the enemy is too conniving, and he's after our spiritual state for us to put our guards down. If you were to compare this to a military guard who's at a post, you should not find a military soldier standing at a post in his shorts and tank top and slippers with no weapon. Because whatever he's guarding, if someone comes to get it 
or steal it or harm it, and that's the state that you're in, you're at a great disadvantage. You probably won't make it through, and you probably will fail really badly, right? A guard will surely have his armor on. He will surely have his weapon. He will surely have gotten good rest so that he can be alert and cognizant of what is going on in his environment and whatever is going around. A Christian puts on an armor of faith and love, not to stay stationary, but to go out into the world and bring the good news and the gospel to those who need it. And, you know, when we do that and when we bring the gospel to them, you might encounter some stormy waters. You might be led into some dark alleys, but don't forget that you have the helmet of salvation. You know, uh, there's, uh, there's a text in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 17, and it reads this. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Christ, Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Mosaic, you are children of light. You are God's temple, a temple that Christ will return to one day, uh, a temple where he has sent the Holy Spirit to reside until that day. Are you preparing and building the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones? Or are you preparing them with wood, hay, and straw so that you can build your own house and your own separate foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones. Because church, that day will come and how our building lasts through that fire will reveal what we have done with our time. Children of light should not be asleep spiritually. We should be sober but Paul says we should also be respectful and helpful. Thessalonians uh, verses, chapter 5, verses 12 and 13 says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Respect the leaders in your church, Mosaic. And I believe many of you do. Whether it's Pastor Dave or Pastor Doug now, or whether it be the college pastor and Pastor Andre, or the minis director and Danny, or our new intern pastors who are coming on board. But the way that Paul tells you to respect them is not by title. 
He says, the way you recognize these leaders are not by title or their salary, how much they make, but how they labor, how they serve, how they lead and preach the gospel of Christ, and how they admonish you. A very brotherly, sisterly admonish, a gentle admonish, not to humiliate you, not to call you out and feel good about themselves, but to bring you back, to waken your spiritual sluggishness or your slumber, that that's what good leaders do. That we are not speaking up against each other's sins, um, you know, in a way to judge. Or, you know, you know what's a really unloving thing to do? When you see somebody sinning, but you don't say anything. I think that's just as unloving. But what is, you know, the heart of Matthew 18, when someone sins against you or you see someone sinning, it's, the goal is to win them back. I'm really thankful for the leaders that we have in Mosaic. Uh, Pastor Dave has truly been a brother to me, as well as the many other staff members who have come and who have gone. Uh, you know, Pastor Caleb, uh, he's been such a brother to me. But I'm really also really thankful for a lot of our silent leaders, the leaders that, you know, their faces don't really show up on the YouTube or they don't show up in the website. But, you know, we have, you know, leaders like, you know, Hank, Bob, Cindy, uh, you know, Gina, June, Hime, uh, you know, Sam Yoon. Like, like these, are, these are the guys that uh, I really appreciate too. And there's so many more. If I didn't say your name and you're like, what about me? You too. Probably, okay? But, uh, you know, the MU staff that I got to serve with, the community group leaders that I get to work with, there's so many leaders who don't get the face time, don't get the recognition that I respect and that I love so much. And, you know, it's really incredible because we don't always agree on everything, but we always continue to come together and gather, and we gather to pray, we gather to worship, we gather to plan, we gather to serve. Why? Why do we do this? Because we're serving our Lord together. And when we're all serving the Lord together, my highest honor and respect will always go out to you. Mosaic, be children of light who respect and honor the leaders that God has placed in your life. But don't just, you know, respect and honor them and be idle. Verse 14 says this, but we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Okay? Basically, don't just be like, oh, yeah, oh, you know, Bob, you're so great at loving the, the Buckingham seniors, so you go do it. But it says, no, go, go serve with them. Go be a part of the ministry that God has placed in their life and in your church. And, you know, oh, I'm not a counselor. I'm going to let that person. No, there are people that other leaders in the church don't know what's going on in the lives of some of the people we have in our church. And you do. And we're supposed to partner and, and, and work together and serve together to do these things. So, uh, you know, spur each other on and admonish and wake up the people who are spiritually sleeping and, and are sluggish. Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient, be peacemakers. Why? Because he's coming back soon. What are you doing with your time? 
knowing that Jesus will come back soon. And lastly, let's read this. Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 22. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every evil. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks in all circumstances. I love that. Give thanks not for all the good things that are happening in your life and all the good things that you have, but in all things. Even when things are very difficult, because Christ actually promised that it will be, uh, but because he's going to come back, we can still give thanks in all circumstances. You know, church, as children of light, don't let someone isolate themselves. Don't let someone who's going through hard times be alone. Whether maybe that's you yourself, don't isolate yourself. Because I believe that loneliness, if you sit in that space for too long, you get to start to become hopeless. And then when you stand in that space too long, what happens? You, your, your spirit, it starts to shrivel and it, it starts to uh, get extinguished or the Bible says it gets quenched. But church, I want to remind you this, no matter how hard you have it in your life right now or how hard it gets after I leave and my family leaves and we're in Argentina and it becomes difficult, I wanted to remind you and proclaim to you that even if you have nothing good happening in your life in that moment, but you remember that you have Christ who is with you, you have it wonderful. You have still the treasure that the enemy cannot snatch. Be encouraged. And because of that, you are always in a place where you can give thanks in all circumstances. With the time that God has given us, through the good and the bad, may we be children of light, who can be so grateful for all that he has done and all that he has promised to do. Do not despise the prophecies, it says. Don't think for a second. You know, I shared in one of my sermons a long time ago, whenever I thought about Jesus returning, I said, oh, Jesus, just don't return in my lifetime because I want to do a lot of things. You know, I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to kind of see the world, and I want to do a lot of great things. So just don't come. And I thought when I was young that Christ coming back would be inconvenient or that it would kind of, kind of mess up the plans that I have. No, 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 no. Church, please don't ever think that Christ coming back is inconvenient or not good based on whatever you're building up or whatever you're trying to accomplish. Christ coming back is the greatest promise and the greatest thing that's going to happen here in that when he comes back, all things are restored. All things are made new. And we get to come into the presence of God like we have never been able to before. Let's eagerly wait and let's long for and let's beg God, Lord, when will you return? Even the saints who are up in the heavens will say, is it time yet? And God says, it's not yet but it's soon. 
this may be the last sermon for me as a member on staff here at Mosaic, but uh, my family and I, we will always treasure the time and the season that God allow us to have with all of you. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's funny because, um, you know, I'm thinking about how it all began. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but when Pastor Dave was like, P.O., you should be the associate pastor. I was like, uh-uh, <laughs> I do not want to be. Uh, P. Dave, I don't do adults. Like, I'm good with just college students. You know, I like high school. I like youth group. I, I, I can't do adults. And deep down, I, I'll tell you why I, I told that to him and I felt that way. I, I didn't think I qualified. I, don't think, I didn't think that I was smart enough. I didn't think that I was professional enough. I didn't think that I was deep enough or mature enough. And, and, and there's so much, so much insecurities that were tied up to that. But I'm so glad P. Dave and the LT and the congregation members just rallied and, 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 and you know, and here I am the past four years um, getting to serve and pastor you guys. Um, and I'm so thankful because this is where my family would find true community, people we can really call brothers and sisters in our life. And, and church, you know, in, in my life and in my time here, I, I really learned that, yeah, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. You know, you don't think you're good enough to spur somebody on and to speak life into them and to encourage them and, and to serve with them? Well, I want to let you know, I know I wasn't good enough. But in that, that's how I saw how good God is. He was so good that he covered it and he led me to the experiences and to the people that would prepare me and, and help form me to be the kind of man that I needed to be, the kind of man that God is shaping me to be. And when Jesus puts his final finishing touch on me, I will be made perfect. Not because of my own works, but because of him and his goodness. And although I didn't find myself qualified to be a pastor of Mosaic, I just put on the breastplate of what I had, faith and love, and the, and the helmet of salvation. And God grew me as a man. Uh, he used me and my family to serve and to love our church. Uh, and now, with that same armor, he sends us to Argentina. But this time, we don't go alone, but now we have a community, and we're so thankful. And why are we going to Argentina? I'll tell you, because I really believe he's coming back soon. What are you doing with the time that he has given you? What are you doing as he calls you to be children of light? And uh, Mosaic, I'm going to close with this. I want to say thank you. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, and, and this isn't a goodbye because I'll be here next Sunday. I, I don't want it to be awkward. I'm be like, oh, I thought you're gone. <laughs> no, I'm going to be here next Sunday, and I'll be here for the next six months or so. Uh, we plan on leaving in June of 2022. Uh, we'll see what God does with that timeline. But, um, you know, Mosaic, I just wanted to exhort and, and encourage you. Use the time that God has given you faithfully. Respect and partner with your leaders. And together, let's do good works as we prepare 
for Jesus' second coming. I can't wait to report to all of you all that God is doing in South America and, and even globally. And I can't wait for some of you to even visit, to labor with me, and to build up whatever God is building up in Argentina. And I can't wait to come back and visit all of you here, you know, to Mosaic a few times a year. And I can't wait to see how God is moving and how Mosaic will change and grow. I can't wait to hear the testimonies. I'm so glad that God gave us a time. But in that time, that he had a plan. And in that plan, he had a plan to surround us with amazing community with the church, with the Holy Spirit that he sent us. And um, man, I'm excited. I'm so excited for what's ahead. So church, thank you all so much. It's been truly an honor, a privilege to serve you all. And with that, uh, let's pray as we go into our response song. Father God, all the glory and my thanks goes to you first. It is you who called me when I didn't want to budge and when I didn't feel like I can do it. But as always, you show me that you are right and I was wrong. And I'm so glad that you were right and I was wrong because your ways are so much greater than even things that I can fathom. And Lord, I pray that Mosaic members and guests and visitors who are here, they would see your goodness and they would experience your grace and the hope that you've given us the same way that I got to. Father, life is truly short, but in that time, may we build a foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones that you are worthy of being built up for and that we would spur and encourage one another to do the same that you would be glorified that your gospel would be so real in our lives and made known to all the people that we have around us that we don't wait individually for your returning but that we as a church hand in hand shoulder to shoulder knee to knee that we would wait eagerly for the coming of Christ in the way that we live. So Lord, we thank you so much. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.